the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, hour number two is underway at seven minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday, the 14th morning of the month of August in the year of our Lord 2018. Thanks again to uh, uh, to uh, Steve Loomis for talking with us about the uh, plague of dirt bikes uh, all over Cleveland and entering suburb uh, roadways uh, and Mayor Jackson's absolutely unimaginable response to that ongoing issue. I want to pivot now uh, to some more national issues. Democrats in the United States of America According to um, uh, the most recent Gallup survey, well, they prefer socialism to capitalism. 57% of Democrats surveyed view socialism positively or favorably. 47% view capitalism the same way. What does this say about the direction of this country and, more importantly, about the direction of that party, which wants you to put it back in power? in Congress coming up in just a couple of short months. Joining us now to discuss making his return to our broadcast is, of course, Peter Kersenow. Peter, Cleveland attorney. Peter, a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Peter, also the uh, host and provider of the Kersenow Report. You hear each and every week right here on AM 1420. The answer, good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you? Bob, I'm doing great. Good to talk to you. 70 days to the World Series. And you know what? The Indians aren't looking too bad. You know, the bullpen still needs to get its act together. Um, A little bit more encouraging than it was about a month ago. But, uh, you know, um, uh, I think they'll settle down. I hope so. Andrew Miller's back now in that bullpen, and obviously a couple of good acquisitions from the Padres at the deadline. I think they'll come around too, but uh, but there is still always uh, fingernail biting whenever Cody Allen enters the game in the ninth with a lead. That's the, <laughs> that's the uh, the big thing. All right, hey Pete, let's um let's dive into this. I want to talk about socialism, and I want to talk about capitalism, and I want to talk about this too. And I know you do as well from our conversation this morning. You know, Nancy Pelosi, and I brought this up on yesterday's show. Nancy Pelosi was on MSNBC on Sunday. 
And she was questioned about the Democrats' messaging. She was questioned about, hey, you know, we know what you guys are against because it's what you do every day, all day, uh, and that is you oppose Donald Trump and everything Donald Trump does. But what are you for? And she started listing how we're for the people and we're for higher wages and we're for uh, better health care costs and so on. She said, we know what we're for, but we just need to find a way, a better, a, a better message. Well, I kind of suggested that, you know, the, the far-left Antifa marchers on um, – on Sunday in Washington, D.C., had no problem articulating the Democrat message for them. Shouldn't this be their campaign platform for November? I think that's pretty much, uh, you know, a pretty clear definition of what they believe in. No borders, no wall, and no USA at all. You know, and you might say that's just the far-left Antifa marchers. Well... Uh, Antifa probably I'm going to believe I'm going to guess is in the same kind of um, uh, philosophical or ideological mindset as these mainstream Democrats who prefer socialism to capitalism. And they want an end to the USA, USA as we know it, Pete. Antifa, to their credit, at least is honest about their objectives. And it's true. If you have no borders and no wall, you will have no USA at all. And apparently the left has no problem with that. They don't have any problem with that because their objective is power, and they haven't been able to get the kind of power that they want simply relying on American voters. They've got to import voters that they hope will uh, be favorably disposed to their message of socialism. And it's a dangerous construct. And, I, you know, again, I, I congratulate Antifa for being honest about it. What I don't congratulate is, and I will admit that over the weekend, I didn't spend any time watching it. I did see some snippets of the, the, the massive, the massive white nationalist rally that consisted of Fred, Bob, and maybe a couple of their friends that was covered wall to wall, apparently. But, you know, Antifa showed up in droves and were shouting that message. And, but the Why you got to make one of them Bob? <laughs> I don't know. Man. That was that seemed to be a little right. unnecessary, but yeah, it's friend Pete there, you know. But in any event, um, you know, the media wasn't even covering it. Rather, they would cover the the couple of forlorn, purported white nationalists out there yeah. uh, who were kind of dragging themselves through the street. It's, it's astonishing what's going on, but it's uh, not to be. And not to be uh, surprised about, because for the last 40 years, we've had our educational establishments and the media and most of the organs of the Democratic Party, um, you know, hitting us over the head with free stuff and socialism and the benefits thereof. Uh, everyone completely forgets about the history of socialism and not just the history, but what's going on currently. You know, everyone cites Venezuela, but look at almost every socialist country. And I don't mean by that Scandinavian countries, because no one understands that Scandinavian countries are capitalist countries with a welfare state, a completely different thing. The socialist countries, Cuba, Venezuela, so forth, Nicaragua, they are in their basket cases. But free stuff has an appeal, and especially when you have an entitlement culture that's been fostered by our, again, educational establishment, our media, and an entire party devoted to handing out free stuff or purporting to hand out free stuff in return to, for votes. So uh, what's, what's interesting about those numbers that you cited, Bob, is that 57% versus 47% um, that is, 57% of Democrats viewed socialism favorably versus 47% of viewing capitalism favorably. Right. Um, the older you get, obviously, the lower the socialism numbers go, even among Democrats. 
But what's really interesting is that when you disaggregate those numbers, I saw an article about uh, uh, that particular poll, and the same group of people overall, Democrats, Independents, and Republicans, 92% view small business favorably. 79% favor free enterprise. So there's a gigantic disconnect that tells you a significant portion of those Democrats who purport to favor socialism have absolutely no idea what socialism means other than it sounds nice. Yeah, and it sounds like free stuff. I mean, that's, you know, and I hate to boil it down to something as simple as that, but it is. Bernie Sanders, you know, made free stuff popular. And, and oh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the, the rambling and babbling nimrod that she is, uh, is continuing to do that. So the, you're right. They don't understand what socialism is. They don't know how it works. They don't know what they would have to surrender to get all of their free stuff. And they don't know what would happen when the money actually ran out. Uh, because there would be no means of of of, uh, of collectivism if nobody is working and achieving and striving and earning again, again as those uh, countries that you just pointed out indicate. So, uh, my question is: is is the Republican Party in your mind, Pete? And I'm getting a little political now, talking about the races for November. Are they doing enough to express that to centrist, moderate? or undecided voters, do you realize that the left has embraced, the Democrat Party has embraced true leftist tendencies now and, and, are, and are, are, are gravitating more towards socialism and away from capitalism? And here's what it is. Do, are they defining it well enough? And the threat that if these people who seem to be embracing that model more and more, uh, at least by way of the Gallup poll, if they regain power, that is going to be the direction they try to steer the United States of America. Are the Republicans getting that message across, in your opinion? No, they're not. Uh, they discreetly, that is, in a couple of districts, maybe in a couple of races, you may see somebody doing something like that. But the National Party is doing an extremely poor job of seizing upon those things. That doesn't mean that you may not have a talking head who's conservative out there who's articulating the dangers of socialism and also drawing the contrast between Democrats and Republicans and where they would take the country. But the party itself seems to be asleep at the switch. This is electoral gold for Republicans. If they could get some of the statements made by not just Ocasio-Cortez, but the more mainstream Democrats who have been embracing socialism and have been, except they haven't just call, they haven't called it socialism over the last decade or so, and talk about exactly what that means, Americans on a visceral level, not just Americans, but most people with common sense on a visceral level, would reject the notion of socialism properly understood. People have, there's an intrinsic appeal to free stuff among people who have an entitlement culture, and that usually means young people who haven't had, you know, much experience in earning a job. They're not out of their parents' basement yet. Um, Americans understand that capitalism works. Americans want to pool their own freight. And if Republicans would simply play the messages of the Democrats, play the Antifa uh, march over and over and over again, because the media won't do it, and ask the Democrats, like, we only have a few outlets, but responsible journalists, and unfortunately, we're only going to have a few people doing that, ask the Democrats precisely whether or not they support the goals and aims of Antifa. We know they support no borders and no walls. We've got the person who is probably, at this point at least, the leading Democratic contender for the presidency, Kamala Harris, eschews borders. 
Ask every single one of these prominent Democrats, do you want to have a border? Do you want to enforce the border? They want to abolish ICE. This well, let, let, me, Pete, let me over and over again. Let me jump in on that and tie it to what we were doing before when we were talking about Antifa and their march. First of all, that wasn't the only chant that they used. They also, of course, accused police officers as just a blanket uh, occupation of being racist. Uh, as uh, did uh, Senator Warren. That's right. That is correct. And and they're chanting uh, that that uh, uh, the KKK and uh, and police are and I can't remember the rhyme now, for goodness sakes. I had it, but I forgot it. I could play it. But at any rate, they were they were chanting KKK police uh, uh, and all cops are racists. Um, all of these things were going on. But I want to focus on the no border, no wall, no uh, USA at all. How many of these Democrats, you mentioned Kamala Harris and, and others who, who literally have said they don't want a border. We know that Hillary Clinton said she envisions a borderless hemisphere. Um, and, and this is what they want. Not one, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you watch a lot of media as well. But I don't think there was one Democrat elected official or prominent Democrat in the DNC, not a Tom Perez or anybody else, who condemned that and saying, that's not us. I didn't hear anybody saying what those marchers marching under the banner of the American left and liberalism and Democrats, which is what they were, as well as uh, communism. Not one of them said that what they said is not reflective of what we believe. We want borders and we want to have a country. They don't represent us. Republicans are falling all over themselves to say, hey, those white nationalists do not represent conservatism or Republicans. But Democrats aren't even distancing themselves from Antifa. And, and so as such, I mean, essentially what, what we saw marching in that parade might not have just been massed Antifa members. They might have been, you know, the Democratic Congress. Yeah, I agree with that, Bob. I know the same construct. In fact, the matter is the media doesn't ask them. They don't hold them to account the way they do Republicans. They, the media will take a microphone and go up to every single Republican and ask them, what do you think about, you know, some white national Again, Fred. It was Fred and a couple of his friends who were marching in Washington, D.C., and it was national news wall-to-wall. They do that, but they don't hold Democrats to account. And that's why it's imperative, as you alluded to earlier, that Republicans do that. Republicans continuing to press the Nancy Pelosi's, the Kamala Harris's, Cory Booker's, and all the others. Now, those three have been at least pretty open about where they stand with respect to borders and walls. And as you indicated, Hillary Clinton, too. That's where the entire Democratic Party is. But the media is smarter than the Democrats. <laughs> Not saying a whole lot, but... What they understand is if they were to highlight the fact that Democrats have embraced open borders, if they were to ask Democrats to break that down, what does that actually mean in terms of jobs, wages for Americans, competition, national security, that the public would recoil in horror by the responses from the Democrats. This is why Republicans, every single chance they get, as you indicated, has to highlight, have to highlight Every time Democrats do something like this, they don't care. I, I don't want to paint with a very broad brush. But by their very statements, the only thing you can extrapolate from them is they subordinate the interests of America and yeah. Americans to political advantage and, frankly, treat foreigners better than Americans. There's no question about that, and it's interesting you bring that up because that's going to transition after our break here into the letter that you wrote to the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, under the uh, letterhead of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Let's talk about foreigners in the United States and how they are favored by the American left, and now, perhaps, even by some in the Republican Party, which was the basis of your letter. Pete, I'll let you explain that as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer.
All right, 1025 now. Peter Kersenow continues with us, with us now. Of course, Peter is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, and it's uh, in that role that he wrote a letter recently to Speaker of the House Paul Ryan talking about Kansas Representative Kevin Yoder's catch-and-release spending bill, arguing that it will encourage further massive waves of illegal immigration into the country. Pete, uh, before I ask you for the substance of your letter, tell us what you can about Kevin Yoder's bill. Well, what it would do is it would reverse what the Trump administration had done. And frankly, it would it would reverse what the law had been since at least 1980 with respect to refugees. Um, if you can follow me on this, just take a quick second. Okay. What it does is it's flying under the radar. It's a devastating amendment to the spending bill for Department of Homeland Security. And no one's paying any attention to this thing, and that's why you have to really look through these things with a fine-tooth comb, because there are things in there that have broad implications. What it would do is expand the definition of what a refugee is under the 1980 Refugee Act to include people who are, well, the 1980 Refugee Act, just for uh, a a data point, says Mm -hmm. that persons who fear prosecution because of a fear of uh, persecution on the basis of race, religion, nationality, or membership in a group have the ability to apply for asylum in the United States of America, okay? What this bill does is expand that beyond that definition to include people who have a fear of gang violence and domestic violence. As horrific and objectionable and repugnant as gang violence and domestic violence is, that's nowhere in the 1980 Refugee Act, and it would significantly expand the group of people who can seek asylum. But more importantly, from what we've seen with respect to the the whole issue of separation of children at the border and asylum claims generally, People will make asylum claims regardless of any well-founded fears, but if you're saying that somebody has a fear of gang violence as a refugee status in the United States, that opens up virtually the or, – or any kind of violence or domestic abuse violence, that virtually opens up refugee status and asylum capability to almost everybody in the world. You would have no means by which to control the border. And we've seen some of that already when people will grab a child, for example, and this has happened. We've had a number of instances where an immigrant will just take a child who is not his child in order to take advantage of the law with respect to non-separate or the the policy of not separating children uh, from their parents. There are false asylum claims being made as we speak without expanding it, and there will be a significant increase. Here's what happens. If you make an asylum claim, what happens is that you are there's a, a preliminary hearing, and then you're released out into – it's a catch and release. You're right. released out into – the interior of the country. And the data show that 92% of those released never come back from their hearing. In other words, you make the asylum claim, it's a get into the United States free card. And especially if you're able to hinge your claim upon the fact that you're afraid of gang violence. If that's the case, half of the south side of Chicago could have an asylum claim. They could leave <laughs> Chicago and go elsewhere. This bot, this is extremely dangerous. It's disingenuous of Republicans to be supporting this. They knew precisely what the impact of this would be, and that is it would virtually eradicate any kind of effective border enforcement, the wall would be superfluous. We could build the biggest wall with machine gun turrets, moats, and alligators. And the fact is that if someone makes an asylum claim, they get to come in, and then they get to be heard. And then 
when they're released pending adjudication of their hearing, they're gone. Forget it. We're never going to find them again. So this is a very cynical attempt to completely eviscerate any true border enforcement. Pete, I have a story here that I'll ask you to comment on after the news, and I appreciate you being able to stick around for another segment here. But I have a story here from Sunday uh, by way of Breitbart that says um, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, who, by the way, is still under a lot of fire from the president of the United States on the Russia deal. But Jeff Sessions, according to The New York Times by way of Breitbart, has sent home a, quote, record number of asylum seekers in his time as attorney general. So I'm going to ask you to kind of uh, square that with what you're telling us right now about Yoder's bill. And then also, I just received a little uh, note from a birdie who tells me that Dave Joyce, Congressman Dave Joyce, voted for Yoder's bill. And I would very much like to find out exactly why he did that. Uh, So, Pete, we'll talk a little bit more about the asylum situation as it pertains to illegal immigration as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, we get a little bit of overtime out of Peter Kirsten now today, and that's a good thing. Uh, Peter, of course, is a Cleveland attorney, a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. He wrote a letter to House Speaker Paul Ryan, uh, explain, or, or I should say, uh, well, I guess I could say explaining the extraordinary danger of passing Kevin Yoder's bill inviting mass migration with, uh, with, with basically what, what amounts to a catch-and-release giveaway. This is what was going on in the Obama administration, something that President Trump tried to end. Uh, and it has to do with asylum-seeking, as uh, uh, Peter just pointed out. Now, Pete, I do have that Breitbart story in which they're quoting the New York Times story, saying that uh, the June asylum reform set forth by Attorney General Jeff Sessions is having a huge impact on border migration. And, quote, we have never seen such a high volume of denials. That quote coming from Allegra Love, executive director uh, of an immigration law firm in New Mexico. So if we are denying more uh, asylum requests than ever before, if that is accurate, um, how does that square away with the bill that we're talking about? Yeah, because the bill would reverse what the attorney general is doing. As I said, the 1980 uh, Refugee Act defines refugee as, you know, somebody who fears persecution in his home country because of his religion, nationality, race, etc. That had been the law since 1980. And then when the Obama administration came in, they relaxed that. And on top of that, there was a court decision, actually a, a Board of Immigration Appeals decision that expanded it to domestic violence, and gang violence. Fear of those things gave you an asylum claim. Sessions reversed that decision and went back to the previous understanding what what refugee status is, and that's why you see this record number of deportations. What this Yoder amendment to the DHS spending bill would do is go back to what Obama was doing again, and that is provide asylum claims. If you simply say, hey, I'm afraid of gang violence in my home country, you have an asylum claim, and then you're never going to show up for your hearing. Or if you fear... The word credible doesn't come into play, Pete. They, They don't have to show some credible explanation for their fear uh, they just have to say i'm afraid of gang violence i mean it, it, does there yeah. have to be, is there no i mean i know you said there's there, a preliminary there hearing is, but yeah there's there yeah they're going to what happens is that's going to be adjudicated on the merits okay but what happens is you make the claim and then you get released until such time as you have a hearing and as i said at the outset only 92 percent of uh, i'm sorry 92 percent of those people released into the interior don't show don't up for come their back. asylum here they disappear so functionally what we have here is a get out of Guatemala free card. I don't mean to be pejorative about that. There are certain people who have legitimate claims. But what will happen is, and we saw this with all kinds of other things under the Obama administration uh, with respect to immigration, 
is that all you've got to do is make a claim, you get in, and then you disappear into the interior of the country, never to be seen again. People who are, who are crafting this amendment, which is a rider onto the spending amendment, no one's paying a whole lot of attention to it, but mark my words, a lot of politicians know precisely what's going on here and hope it gets in under the radar. Ask any of the politicians you've got on your show, Bob, respectfully. I would ask you to ask them what they think about this and the implications of it, and then hear them go, humana, humana, humana. This is a big joke, Bob. It's a joke on the American people. We have Why are the Republicans doing this, then? I mean, the, you know, it, it, our Republican president is doing what he was elected to do, and that is to control the border and to stop the unchecked flow of illegal immigrants and, yes, people claiming refugee status and then being released. Everything you just said or asylum status, everything you just said, the president was elected to stop. Now, his members of his own party, including Yoder, and as I mentioned before, one of our own local uh, congressional representatives, Dave Joyce, apparently voted for this, according to, I think it was Numbers USA. I'd like to get a hold of him and find out. But, Pete, why are Republicans turning against the president and the AG as they follow through on their campaign promises? Because many of them actually believe in the form of open borders in the same fashion that Democrats do. And part of it is because many of their donors want to have access to cheap labor and to suppress wage rates. And the introduction of cheap, low-skilled wave, uh, labor, or lots of it, depresses wage rates. When you have an oversupply of labor, that depresses the, the price of labor. They want to do that. And you see a lot of well-funded organizations who are promoting this, who provide donations for Republicans, and those donations help grease the skids to passing legislation like this. It is harmful, abjectly harmful to America, and more importantly, American workers, and more specifically, low-skilled American workers. I'll make it even more specific. The subgroup most devastated by this are black males, but it applies to all low-skilled um, American workers. We finally have an economy that isn't mediocre. We've been in stagnation for eight years under Obama, and now we are booming, and the unemployment rate is plummeting. Wage rates are starting to go up. Lowest unemployment rate for uh, blacks and Hispanics and women, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this would serve to blow that up. This is unforgivable, and these politicians need to be asked about it. This is, this is not rocket science at all, Bob. And if you hear them trying to elude your questions or, or, or evade your questions, you know that they cannot be trusted. I hate saying stuff like that. I sound like I should be wearing a tinfoil hat, but this is as No, not, not at as all. Day, and Americans should be furious that they're being undersold by their politicians. This is unequivocal. There is no excuse for this. There are legitimate asylum claims that can be addressed. There are ways of processing people. You can present yourself legitimately at the, at the border and get entry into the country in a whole host of fashions. But to do this, this is a subterfuge to increase the number of low-skilled workers coming into the country. Yeah, and, and it puts people like me, um, you know, Republican voters, even though I have kind of distanced myself from the Republican Party after the last spending uh, bill that to continue to fund Planned Parenthood and sanctuary cities and other things. But but I am a Republican voter, a voter of Republicans. Um, and I want Republicans to maintain the majority in the House and in the Senate, and I want them to grow the majority in the Senate so that we can advance President Trump's agenda and, and, and his, uh, his platform, all of his campaign promises. But, Pete, I, I, if I'm a moderate voter, 
I'm thinking, what's the point of voting for the Republicans and keeping them in power if this is what they do? And why why not have a Democrat? They they are if they are going to act in in the same manner, what is the purpose of it? If I feel like I have no choice, I certainly can't vote a Democrat in because all they're going to do if they get the majority is impeach Trump. But if I vote Republicans in who don't support Trump and Sessions and this this process that you're describing, uh, that they want to end, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking about Sessions um, uh, denying a, a, a record number of asylum claims. But if Yoder's bill is, and this is what Republicans are going to do to to oppose their own leadership in the executive branch for crying out loud, what what do I do as a moderate voter, Pete? Yeah, well, I, I, it's frustrating it's to hold Republicans' feet to the fire because a lot of this, as I said, this is being done under the oh. radar. It's August in Washington, D.C. This is when everyone's asleep in Washington, and savvy politicians know that a lot of things can be you know, snuck under the radar. We have to be vigilant about this stuff and ask them questions. Tell them to, to defend themselves on this. And if we highlight it for the American people, hopefully we get enough pushback, people in their... And if I had more time, I would describe that there are tools where you can find out precisely how many Americans have been displaced by foreign workers in a particular congressional district. That would really hold their feet to a fire, their fire. But if you do that, they will back off a little bit. Some of them will. You know, some of them still like the big donation money. And some of them, let's face it, they are they may be simply principled, misguided, but principled uh supporters of open borders. But nonetheless, I don't know how you can have a principle like that because you don't have a country if you have open borders. But nonetheless, there are some people who in good faith may believe that. Nonetheless, this is something that in August in Washington, when everyone's asleep, is being snuck into a bill without a whole lot of scrutiny. Um, I happen to see it. Look, I've got a lot of other things to do in my life, Bob. I would hope that many Republicans would look at these things, and I know that probably the Justice Department under Jeff Sessions is looking at it, and they're saying, wait a minute, we can't be doing this stuff. Haven't heard anything from the White House to this point. I think it may be too early in the cycle, but this is going to happen fast. When they come back again in September after the August recess, they're going to try to push this thing through, and there's not going to be enough time for any scrutiny and debate of this particular issue before it gets inserted into the bill without anybody knowing about it or paying a lot of attention to it. Next thing you know, we've got the functional equivalent of, well, it's not open borders, but we're going to have a return to the Obama era style of letting people in, and then they disappear into the, uh, into the interior of the United States, and there's no means by which to apprehend them and deport them. Everything Also known as open borders. Point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Pete, any chance you're going to be in D.C. the first week of September? Uh, there's a possibility of that. I've not gotten uh, any definitive um, uh, you know, yep. invitation to come there, but there's a possibility I'll be there. Well, you have an invitation for me because uh, it's so funny that you said, when I said, what do we do and what do moderate voters do? And you said, we hold their feet to the fire. I will be broadcasting from Capitol Hill on September 5th and 6th with FAIR, the Federation of Americans uh, for Immigration Reform. Um, and, and we are going to, that is their 2018 hold their feet to the fire event. This will be the... How many years have they done this now? I want to say 13 or 14 years. And it's exactly to do that, to right, be right there uh, in the midst of the, of, of the center of our government, asking our elected representatives to indeed do what they said they would do. And we will hold their feet to the fire on all of this. So if you happen to be in D.C. through your uh, 
commission work. Uh, I would love you to be there on Capitol Hill with me so you can help us do exactly that. Great, Bob. I'm really excited that you're going to be there. I did get an invitation from FAIR. I get one every year to do precisely this thing, and I, I will participate when I'm there for our, uh, other business. Uh, one of the things I may do is, I've, you know, I've testified in the last five Supreme Court nomination hearings. I don't know if I'll testify in the upcoming one, but if I do, I'll be there at the time, and I'd be more than happy to hold their feet to the fire with you, Bob. That's exactly what it's all about. Peter, thank you for your time today and always, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Pete. Pete Kersenow uh, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, yeah, that this is something I've, like Peter, <clears throat> I've been invited, I want to say every year for the last at least 10 years, maybe longer, to broadcast from um, Washington, D.C. Uh, during their two-day Hold Their Feet to the Fire 2018 convention slash broadcast event. And what they do is they've invited conservative speakers and conservative talk show hosts from around the country, individuals that they choose, um, to to broadcast from what, what essentially becomes a radio row uh, on Capitol Hill. And we will schedule conversations with Republican and hopefully some Democrat lawmakers, and we will hold their feet to the fire. It is about immigration specifically about immigration, about DACA, about uh, the visa diversity lottery, about chain migration, about a border wall, about funding, about asylum, about this Yoder bill, all of these things that we've been talking about. We do it right up front and in person. We will talk to each and every one of them, and I, and I will. I will ask people. Uh, that agree to come on the air with me, why they voted the way they did, why they can't and will not vote for comprehensive immigration reform that just protects the border first. And then, so I guess it wouldn't be as comprehensive, but but immigration reform that does what the Republican Party said they would do. I know I sound like Jim Jordan right now. That's kind of been his catchphrase as he runs for speaker. Let's do what we said we'd do when we ran for office and when we asked for control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. They've been granted it. And what they said they would do is build a wall, control the border, end chain migration and all these these other terrible policies, help American workers get the jobs that they want as opposed to foreign-born workers, use a merit-based uh, merit immigration system. This is exactly what they said they would do. And I will, along with several other conservative talk show hosts who are going to be on Capitol Hill at that time, ask them face to face why they aren't supporting that. And if they are, what we can do to help them get that done. It's called Hold Their Feet to the Fire. Again, it's presented by the Federation for American Immigration Reform. I'm very much looking forward to that event. It'll be September 5th and 6th. Uh, That's a Wednesday and Thursday. I'll be broadcasting from uh, Capitol Hill. Very much looking forward to those conversations, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it as well. We'll talk more about this tonight, by the way, when I come back to the Larry Elder Show. I hosted Larry Elder's national show last night. I will be doing it again. You may hear a little bit of what you just heard again tonight, because what Peter Kirsten now just shared with Northeast Ohio deserves to be shared with the rest of the nation. So uh, make sure you tune in tonight and uh, absorb this again and perhaps be able to share that with others. All right, it's 1047. We'll get our time out here. We'll come back. Uh, got time for phone calls in the last segment, 216 Join us on AM 1420, The Answer.
Final segment of the broadcast for this Tuesday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. But as I noted, not the final time you'll hear me today. If you have the radio on tonight, between the hours of 7 and 10, it'll be the Larry Elder Show. And I will be guest hosting again from here at AM 1420, The Answer. Very much looking forward to another opportunity to talk with his wonderful national audience as we uh, share the message. And I will share Peter's message with them. You're fortunate. You're lucky. And I mean that humbly because of Peter Kersenow. We're lucky that we have Peter living and working in Cleveland and willing to come onto this program once a week to tell us all of this information. Peter correctly points out, by the way, in that article, to the employment aspect, <clears throat> excuse me, not the article, rather the letter that he sent to uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan. He correctly points out that 4 million Americans turn 18 each year and begin looking for good jobs in the free market. But with the government providing green cards to roughly 1 million legal immigrants every year and temporary work permits to roughly 3 million uh, foreign workers every year, the job is twice as hard for an American citizen, one of the 4 million Americans who turn 18 each year, to, uh, to get one of those jobs. They're competing with legal immigrants and temporary work permits permits to foreign workers who are brought here to do jobs that Americans can do and will do. The idea, quite frankly, that the unemployment rate for African Americans, blacks, again, I hate the hyphenated American thing, but for blacks and Latinos in America, is at at an all-time low since we started recording unemployment data. The idea that it's the lowest that it has ever been since we started that is astounding considering the problems that so many legal American Latino workers and black workers uh, that they have to compete with. As, as it's, not a, you know, it's not news. It's not breaking news. This isn't a spoiler alert for anybody to say that African Americans in the United States or black Americans in the United States graduated a far lower rate than do um, white Americans. They graduate at a lower rate. They have fewer college degrees. In other words, they go into the workforce with low or no skills, which means they have to take some uh, low-skilled jobs, labor jobs. Not that there's anything wrong with those jobs. Obviously, as a matter of fact, many of them pay a heck of a lot more than some people get when they first get out of college. But the point is there are a lot of low-skilled jobs that African or black Americans and uh, Latino Americans and, uh, and others want and need that they are in direct competition with when you have no skilled America or excuse me, uh, foreign workers coming into the United States legally or illegally. Because we don't use a merit-based system. You get a bunch of people who don't speak the language, who don't understand, you know, some of the basic concepts that a job would require here. And so they end up in the low or no skilled labor workforce and they compete with Americans for those jobs. And, and almost not exclusively, but to a, a predominant degree, uh, it's it's minority Americans, legal American workers and citizens who get uh, who get screwed out of those jobs, which is why it's even more amazing that President Trump is presiding over an economy that is growing at a 4.1 percent clip in GDP and in a job uh, jobs economy and a higher wage economy in which unemployment for blacks and, uh, and Latinos is at an all-time low. That is simply remarkable, and that's something that we will continue to highlight and talk about as well. So Peter Kirsten, I laid that out for us very well. We also talked earlier with um, uh, Steve Loomis about some issues involving uh, the city of Cleveland. If you have thoughts on that, I want to promote social media once again. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and on Facebook, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, is the actual Twitter and um 
uh, Facebook address, but you can also search for me on Twitter by way of Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right with the double entendre intended, and share some of your thoughts on uh, on all of these things. We spoke earlier, too, about the socialism and capital. This is huge and something else we'll do on, on, on uh, Larry Elder tonight. Democrats are almost not even hiding it anymore. They're, they're almost not even hiding their disdain for America. What is America? America is a nation with borders and laws, and it's a nation built on a capitalist economic system, one in which everyone and anyone can earn and survive and thrive in the United States of America, no matter what their background is, no matter what their color is. That's the beauty of this country. And, and they're almost not even hiding anymore their belief in ending some of those things, including the border, including the, 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 um, uh, the, the nation and the sovereignty that we hold dear. This is what they said. No borders, no walls, no USA at all. In other words, no USA, no country that we know. The one that is based on the capitalist uh, free enterprise that I just discussed. And, and the American left, the Democrats, they're not even decrying that, saying, hey, those nut jobs out there marching and saying that don't represent us. As a matter of fact, they're saying just the opposite. According to, and I talked about this with Pete, according to the um, latest Gallup survey, Democrats in the United States prefer socialism. In other words, no USA at all. USA is capitalist. They prefer socialism to capitalism. 57% of Democrats surveyed support the socialist model. Only 47% of those Democrats surveyed support and view favorably the capitalist model. These people, when we say this isn't hyperbole, this isn't just, you know, conservative news talk bluster. It's not just conservative red meat for the base. When I say this and when we say this, Democrats moving further and further toward being anti-American. This is not just red meat. It's not just a dog whistle. They're anti-American. But literally, when 57% of Democrats view socialism as preferable to capitalism, when they are represented by people chanting no borders and no USA at all, how much more anti-American can you get than that? They don't believe in what made this country, what founded, the, what this country was founded upon. Liberty, capitalism, laws, order, they just don't believe in it. So that's, uh, that's, those are their words, not mine. That, that, that's the Gallup survey, and that is what they say, and I have heard not one. I said it before, I'll say it again. Not one prominent Democrat in Congress, in an elected position, or perhaps in the DNC, just you know, Democratic uh, power brokers has condemned anything that Antifa said on their behalf, uh, representing the American left on Sunday in D.C. and in uh, Charlottesville. And that, to me, speaks volumes. All right, that's it. We're going to have to leave it today. Thanks to Pete. Thanks to Steve Loomis for their contributions to the discussion today. If you would like to talk to me more, by the way, about my opening monologue back in the 9 o'clock hour about President Trump harming himself and his message by way of his Twitter use this time around, by all means, tweet to me, and we'll discuss it. I'm at Radio Done Right on Twitter. Once again, I'm in for Larry Elder tonight at 7. Make sure you're tuned in for that, and stay where you are now. Mike Gallagher's next. Enjoy the silence. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.